What's happening? Welcome to Wong Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wong. I'm stoked today. We got the legendary Nuno Betancourt on the podcast. Just a couple months ago, I was that I was a version of that, uh, you know, that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's pointing at the TV in his love seat. Oh, look, 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 look. That was me watching the Super Bowl halftime show. Rihanna's playing for about a split second. They show the guitar player on screen. Nuno! Look, it's Nuno! Nuno! Every guitar player who was watching did that exact same thing, I'm guessing. But hey, if you didn't, that means you didn't know. But now you know, Nuno, let's go. He's on the podcast today. Extreme. This is a band that's been around for a long time. Lots of hits, lots of incredible songs, lots of versatility in the catalog. You're going from metal, hard rock, acoustic bangers, all over the place. These cats are insane. They're so good. Nuno is unapologetically himself all the time, and I love that about him. But I will also say this. There's some language on the podcast, okay? If you've got kids or adults or plants in your house that you're trying to refrain from listening to the F-bombs that are going to be said by Nuno, this is not the episode for you, okay? There's some there's some language. Just giving you the warning. Somebody's going to email me if I didn't give the warning. There's an explicit thing on the thing when we uploaded it, whatever. So just giving you the warning. All right, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not going to... I'm not going to try to make Nuno be somebody else. I'm going to let him talk like himself so he's comfortable. That's what you get. Tell you also why I'm excited. I just dropped a new compressor pedal with Wampler pedals, the Wong compressor. I'm telling you right now, this is the most versatile compressor that you've ever seen on the market or guitar or bass. It's a compressor and a boost in one. It's a DI. It's got an XLR out. It's got a blend knob. It's got that ground lifter if you're getting hums. You know what I'm saying? This is, I couldn't be more stoked. I'm a compressor guy. I always tell people, if I could just have one pedal on my board, it'd be a compressor. Not always the most fun thing for people to hear, but it's it, it's just one of those things that makes your tone bigger, fatter, punchier. It's one of those types of compressors. Some compressors, you know, like I've seen the compressors of the past. I'm not naming any names, but some of those Compressors, they just squish the tone, take suck all the life out of it. And you got these old heads that are like, I don't use compression because it takes away, it sucks all my tone, it sucks all my dynamics and feel out. That's not the compressor that I just designed with Wampler pedals. Okay, this thing fattens, widens your tone, gives it a big thing. And yes, you can squash it. You can do all that if you put the blend knob all the way up. But guess what? You can blend in your dry signal so you still have the dynamics and the emotional control over those things. A lot of people like to brighten up with the tone knob on there. Some people like to darken their tone down. I like the tone knob on my compressor because it allows me to play through any amp. So like this weekend, I'm going to play a jazz fest in New Orleans. I don't know what amp I'm going to get. I say two Fender tube amps. Whatever, whatever you got. Eh, deluxe is kind of not enough clean headroom for me. I'm going to show up. Whatever two twins I got or super reverbs I got or hot rod deluxe, DeVille's, whatever. I'm going to plug in. Eh, this one's a little brighter than normal. On my compressor, I can pull the tone back. See, that's what I'm saying. Having the tone knob on a compressor like that, golden. Anyways, thanks for hanging with us. Without further ado, Nuno. Hey, you guys know about DistroKid yet? 
If you are an artist, musician, somebody who's trying to get your music on Spotify, Apple Music, all of those things, DistroKid is a digital distributor that can get your music on all of those platforms. It's the easiest, fastest way to do so, with accounts even just starting at $19.99 a year per artist. So for me, I have several albums out. I just pay one amount for the year. For all the Corey Wong albums, I just pay one amount, and DistroKid takes 0% royalty. 100% of the royalties come straight to me. Or you use their Teams feature where you can dedicate a certain percentage to one member of your band, a certain percentage to the other, or one of your collaborators. I do this sort of thing, it works amazing. DistroKid is who I use for my albums and it has worked great for me. The stuff gets up there fast. They have a smart ISRC thing. I don't have to worry about coming up with my own codes, registering a lot of the stuff. They just have that. And they also have these really cool design tools. If you are not very design savvy, they'll help you come up with assets for social media and other things to help promote your album. And if you want to use them, you can use my VIP code. Just go distrokid.com slash VIP slash Corey Wong and you get 30% off. How about that? Check them out. Distrokid. All right, let's hit this episode. Hey, Nuno, what's happening? It's Corey Wong. I know you're uh, you're you're the man, the myth, the legend. I know all about you. <laughs> well, thank you. It's nice to nice to e meet you here over the internet. Same. How are you feeling today? You all right? I'm good. I'm good. Other than uh, sleeping two hours and getting some uh, getting all our deadlines in for the single tomorrow for the video, uh, you know, which I happen to be editing, so I was a little bit late in getting it done, but uh, it's done and uh, it will drop tomorrow. So we're all, all is good. All right, now now let's get right into it. I mean, we're getting into it. You're editing the videos and stuff too? You know, I figured since I've uh, produced, engineered, and mixed the album, I might as well direct and uh, edit and color the videos as well. Just, you know, be a complete control freak instead of just partially. It's my kind of guy. <laughs> I, I can totally empathize with that. I've had, a, I've over the, the last few years, tried to learn to figure out which parts are best outside of my control and to find the right people to trust and just say like, oh yeah, you do it different than I might have, but you're still getting to the same place and it's still really good. Yeah, look, that's 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 the thing. It's like, I, I you know, people ask me why I work so hard on stuff and why I do it. I'm like, it's just because I have trouble finding people that see what I see or hear what I hear really at the end of the day. It's not, yeah. there's so many great engineers and great people everywhere and even editors but every time, you know, I've taken something to somebody recently because you love what they do for somebody else, it always seems to be different for you. You know, I mean, like you're the one, you're the one that, you know, you're the one that had the vision for the song. I've, I always also, whenever I write a song, I always kind of put down a vision of what the video should be, whether it's for Rise or going back as far as More Than Words and all of that. I always kind of see the video as I'm writing the song or recording it. So when you produce... And you've worked with a bunch of different producers. And let's, for now, just stick with your own records, like your music, extreme music, all that. What are you, you going to look for in a producer then if you're not going to produce? Because you, you've got all that, like you're saying, you've got all the skill sets. If you were to hire a producer, what would be the thing that you would most want from them? You know, I think the, the greatest producer in the world, no matter you know, what bands they've done or what they haven't done, is a producer that knows when to do and he's like, oh man, I got to do like 90% of the work here to get these songs across the finish line, to deal mm -hmm. with these personalities, to, to get these songs and performances out of them. But also the greatest producer for me is the one who knows how to get the fuck out of the way when he just needs to get the fuck out of the way. Meaning let the band 
if it's working and something's flowing, there's a magic. There's nothing worse than the producer saying, yeah, that's great. It's amazing actually, but I need to put my stamp yeah. on. I need to get it. And I, I read uh, an interview years and years ago, way back in the 1900s when, uh, when, uh, Butch Vig, who did, who did Nevermind, who did Nirvana's, you know, amazing album. And he said that he had always been an incredible, like alternative producer, alternative rock producer. And then he had gotten, he knew he was going to do the album. He'd gotten the cassette that was just like in a, you know, real crappy envelope sent to him of like, well, here's, here's the new stuff. Here's our demos. And all it was, he says, he put it on and it was a off of a boom box that was in the center of the room or in front of the band <laughs> and, they were, and they were playing in a rehearsal space, but he panicked because he said it was all there. He said, all he was thinking about, how do I not fuck this up? How do yeah. I, how do I get that? How do I like get out of the way and get, cause it's 99% there. And, but how do I get that on the record? And to me, that's a great producer. It's like some bands really need the work and maybe it's their drummer or maybe it's this, but knowing what 10, 20, 30% you need, but recognizing the magic of the band and why they got the record deal and what their sound is and not impose yourself. A producer gets it across the finish line and gets the best out of what that is. And sometimes you don't got to do shit. And sometimes you just got to let people be who they are. And sometimes you go in and, and uh, help push. But I think it's like as invisible as you can be uh, unless they really need you, you know? I'm curious for you, capturing your guitar tones, capturing the sounds that you get on your records now versus the way that you've done it over the years. Is there a way that you try to capture your recordings now in a way that, it, it, do you feel like it's better? Do you feel like you're more efficient? Do you feel like you're in your head more, less now? What, where are you at with that? You know, it's funny, like for instance, even going back to porn graffiti, when people talk about that, it's like Michael Wagner produced the album. He'd be the first to tell you the truth. He did not produce the album. Mm. It's like I told you that one of the reasons that we worked with Michael is because we don't do, I stopped doing demos after the first album because I always felt every time I did a demo of anything, all I was doing was trying to recreate in an expensive studio, trying to create the magic of, even though it sounded better, like the magic of the demo. So we just, I said, I'm never doing demos ever again. And I haven't done since they just, we go in and record, even as we're writing the track, whatever it is, it's captured properly. And to yeah. me, it's always the magic is there. So having said that, when we reached out, to, we did that with Pornography and we did it in a studio in Massachusetts before we even, you know, we sent, we sent the songs to the label and they were like, man, wow, these are the demos. Like, so we need a producer now. They're never going to let me do it. A fucking 20 year old or 21 year old take $250,000 and put it all in, put it all on me. So the idea was, find a producer that we like, but when we went to a few, but when Michael came back, one of the reasons I wanted to work with him is because the head of A&R called me, goes, Hey, I spoke to Michael Wagner. He loves the stuff. You know, I mean, it was decadent sense was all those songs. And he said, uh, I love it. It's great. But what do they need me for? And I said, <laughs> hire him immediately. Yeah. And, uh, but that was just the fact that I, I really admired that about him and especially producers ever since that, like he has at least the ego to, or no ego to say, man, I want to be involved in the mix of this, but these guys, they got something going on and they got yeah. their engineer that Nuno uses, bring him in with flat LA and we just wrapped it up. And then he just came in and I sat beside him when we mixed. So having said that, when it comes to guitar tones or anything, it's kind of always been the same. You know, I always go in, it's always wherever you are at the time. I think whenever you look at your heroes, whether it's like an Edward specifically is a great, case study because his guitar tone changed through every album even though his fingers never did but there was always something a little bit different of what was going on it was always edward you can't 
not be yourself when you play. But whether, you know, whether it's the amp you use or the mics you use or, or, or whether it's like pe- pedals are a big deal, I think. I think pedals, I have a love-hate relationship with pedals. That's why I don't use anything because I've always felt they get in the way of what you're trying to say mm. if you use them wrong. You know, like, especially with choruses and things like that. Like when Edward switched from those albums from being like straight in your face and then started splitting things left and right and chorusing and, and doing that sort of thing, which was amazing and creative and beautiful. I lost a lot of him mm. and all like, I, I heard less of him and I heard more of what it was going through as the voice. And I really prefer any guitar player, you know, whether it's Brian or anybody else, Brian May or, or Jimmy Page, especially anybody, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly meaning. Sometimes it's not the greatest tone in the world. And sometimes it's not the prettiest to listen to, but I, there's an emotion there. And I think pedals and, and, and what you do processing wise get in the way the notes are there, but they get in the way of expression and emotion because there's a physicality that you have in your fingers that to me, it's like, I always try to find that best straight shot from here to there, to that speaker, to that microphone, to the record. And, you know, and it's funny because recently, you know, let me drop a name, Steve. I recently, when I, when I was at Steve I's house, he wanted to hear the album before it came out. So I drove to his house. He has an amazing studio and he's like, just let's play it from top to bottom. He's like, we're not going to stop. I want to listen to this downtown. And he stopped after every song. He's like, all right, now wait a second. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, I'm like, Steve was supposed to listen to this like an album. He goes, yeah, yeah, but the guitar is right there. How did you get it to be like right there? Like not right there, right there, like right here. Like, yeah. Like in my ear and in and, and here. And I just said, because there's nothing there. There's no magic, no hocus pocus. It's a, it's yeah. always been a, a 57 and a 421. And I don't do anything to it EQ wise. And I let it be on the outside, the, the, the center of the speaker, on the, you know, outside the, the, the cone. And, and I let it go. And yeah, I'll use a little delay. Delay is different for me or, or sort of viewer because it enhances what you've done already. What I need is the type of processing that becomes the body of what you're doing, you know, becomes part of that note. If you know what I mean, that's like more of, and I always feel like as a guitar player, the real you tends to never, never come out when you do chorusing or flanging or something, unless you want it for an effect, it's like an effect or, or even yeah. to make it pretty. Like sometimes you do chorus with chorusing stuff or you want it to have, by, by the way, you want it to have that sound and that just a big sort of body of just beauty. Then you're doing it right. I don't think it's a right or wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being a yeah. pedal snob or anything, but for me, I love my heroes and the guitar players I heard when there's not much in the way of their hands and, and they find the right amp to just be that, extra voice for them to interpret what they're doing with the hands. And that's always been my goal. And it's amps have changed every album, but I think wherever your headspace is at, uh, that becomes the tone, Yeah, you know, uh, where you are in your life, where you are, what you're listening to, what you're inspired by, you know, you, you, you kind of, I think you'll understand this. I think every guitar player thinks they've like had this eureka moment when they do their album, they found the fucking greatest amp of all time and (laughs) greatest everything. And then they get over it so quick. It's like a fucking, you know, it's like you, you're like, nah, I want a new girlfriend. I don't know. I'm kind of bored with you. You know, it's like, I, I just feel like we get, and I think that's smart. I think we grow and then we're like, man, I'm just fucking sick of hearing myself sound like this all mm-hmm. the time. Then you experiment again. But when you go back and you look at that kind of old photo album of your albums, you know, the, not photo albums, but your Sonic albums, if you will. Yeah. And go like, fuck. It's like looking at an old photo. It's like, what was I wearing? Like, I can't believe I did that. 
<laughs> I can't believe I did that in, in, in 1997. Like, what the fuck was I thinking? I'm wearing bell bottoms and whatever. But it's like that to me. There's a Sonic photo album, if you will, that you go back and you're like, I was like, you fucking kidding me? Did I actually do that? Did I, did I actually like have that sound on that song? But it was the best. And that's what it should be at the time. It should be a Sonic kind of uh, tattoo at that time that you get that you can't remove, you know, because everybody go back in. Good guitarists, good players, people who give a fuck will always are they are self-destructive. They they're just the worst. Like you go back and you think you could always do it better. You think you could always yeah. make it sound better. You can't just leave shit alone. So that's why I think albums are great because they're just like, well, too late, fucker. Like that's it. <laughs> are you down with digital? Or are you all analog as far as guitar tone? Uh, well, ever since you know, going once again back to the 1900s, ever since CDs came in. You could never say you're down with analog ever again. Sure. Because the last voice will always be digital. Just mm. is. You yeah. have no fucking choice. You get, but you're right. I hear what you're saying. You're right. You got your two inch, you got this, you do that, but it's always going to end up on a CD and it's going to be 44K or it's going to be something. Now, having said that, at least that's the master back then. But now you're right. Now you can record straight to everything digital. I think when it first started out, when you go back to like ADATs and things like that, you could hear an, what an ADAT sounded like, an A-track. Yeah. You could hear it, it added its tone, yeah. its converse. But I think I started using Pro Tools since like 96, 95, maybe even okay. earlier. For many years with Extreme, I started still use. I was still using the two-inch tape. Yeah. And I would use it as a filter. We would never record on the two-inch. I would use it as a filter. The band would play through it, whatever we did. It was like a plug-in or, or, or yeah. a pedal. <laughs> and everything we did went out and it spat out into Pro Tools. So that way, the more you, you you got the thump and you got everything you wanted from analog because it was going to end up digitally anyways. But I figured, wow, what, what, that would be cool if we could just use the two inch and it's going to go to the record head, spit out on, 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 on the playback head, but have that straight go into the, you know, to a, you know, 96K version of Pro Tools. So it's like, we get the best of both worlds. We get, yeah. every time, what I remember is every time we're using two inch for three months, the songs would change anyways, by the end of it, the, the high end would change and wow, it would be amazing to get that tape sound, but have it beat captured on the multis for good and clean and beautiful. And then that then that changed to like, man, the, I believe that it's got to a point where you can, a good engineer digitally can make it sound like analog, but, yeah. but better and punchier and even like just, I don't know, I think it's gotten better and better and people have adapted just like I'm sure when analog started, people were like, what is this sorcery? You know, what the fuck is yeah. this? You know, like even just stereo, like what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they yeah, didn't know I, what to I, do with stereo. <laughs> so, and at the end of the day, technically speaking, you could have the greatest fucking outboard gear. You could have digital, you can have analog, you can fucking pay half a million to do the album, but, and you can make it sound amazing. But if the songs or the playing sucks, it's just chocolate covered shit. Anyways, to me, it's like, it's, now we're talking. Now we're talking. It doesn't make it. How about how about amp modelers? Or are you just straight up tube amps? No, no, just it, it, I I could never do that, and it's not because I'm being a snob. It's just that there's I have like for instance a, a Kemper in my studio, like right next to me. Yeah, and but I, what I love about it is it is amazing what it does. It really is. And if you're lazy, especially when you're writing and you just want to dial up, fuck man, it's not yeah, yeah. Dialing to album or whatever it is. Cause you want to try things or a strat or even a something you don't have. It's a really great tool to paint with. It's a great paintbrush and you can easily record a whole album with it. It's it yeah. really, like I said, it depends what the player wants and his touch and everything else. But for me, every time I'm like, I'm always like, Oh man, I might, this is fucking good. 
Like, and I did the, you know, I'm just writing with it. I'm fucking using it. But let me just plug in my amp quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Just AB. And I'm like, for me, it's just, fuck. It's just like, I can't. It's like the difference between something sounding good at the end as opposed to missing once again the emotion, the dirt, the mistakes, the garbage, the noise, the guck, the muck that happens when it's a fucking loud cab and an amp that doesn't sound the same two hours later because it's just yeah. tubes or whatever, whatever yeah. that, whatever that danger is that happens with hemp's is missing. You can hear it missing. It, everything gets a little safer. Now, once again, it's all in the eye of, or the ear of the beholder, right? If you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really whatever you want it to be. For me, that's what it is, but I, I don't fucking judge anybody. And I guarantee you half the time, we don't even know if it's a fucking amp or not. You have some incredibly iconic guitar solos. And your ability to craft solos is absolutely insane. And I'm curious for you, I mean, especially the the previous single that you guys put out with Rise. I mean, everybody on the internet was freaking out. You were, you came with a vengeance, like, yeah, let me remind you. <laughs> it felt like, I mean, I know that was not your intention. You're just trying to make good art. But it, it, it when it came out, everybody was like, oh yeah, Nuno's the cat. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, look, I didn't expect any response like that. I, I, I don't like watch, for instance, reaction videos of anything. And I was like, I was getting, <laughs> my phone was blowing up every like, you know, back when you released this single or anything, you found out if people liked your album, whatever, but by, by like carrier pigeon, you know, at that point, you, know, like, <laughs> like, you had to wait like two months to go on the road. You had to see if yeah. radio added you to play. And then the charts would come in. I don't know how many months later. And then you see how ticket sales were. And you see if anybody's buying your album, it'd take like a good eight, nine months to see, to even climb a chart to see to get in the top 40, do anything. And you went out there and you hustled. Now it's like, hey, we're releasing this for a single today in 15 years. And within within 24 hours, you know, not whether Idaho or somebody likes it, the planet is is chiming in from Brazil to yeah. this and that going like, either you suck, I love you, but this, I'm a, or it's like what was amazingly surprising to us. And I, I say the surprising part in a humble way because you know we're an older band. We've been gone for a minute. And when I was seeing what was going on, you know, these days you, you judge, people judge and you judge kind of, you know, what yeah. the, you know, the, it's not top 40, it's followers and, 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 and views and, and all and comments and all that stuff. That's how yeah. you judge how people are communicating with you. And when I saw what was going on and, and getting whatever, a million views in 10 days, 2 million views, and then watching all these videos and some of the people you admire, I, something else was going on. I was getting hit up like texted by somebody from like fucking fifth grade, you know, that I haven't heard. I'm <laughs> like, yo, dude, what are you fucking smoking? What's happening over here? Shit's going on. You know, things are happening. Yeah. And I, my head was exploding in, in a good way, but like, you know, I had a smile in a way that was just like, wow, you get to reach this many people just like that. Yeah. As long as they know, as long as the tree falls in the woods and they know it's falling, then you're mm-hmm. in good hands. You know, you have to at least, you know, in, in, in extreme, at least has somewhat of a following. But if it gets to enough people and they share it like they did in, in our business, you know, a Steve, I has to hit you for your buddy has to hit you up and go, Hey man, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. single man, fucking rocking, man. Cool. This was different. I was like, they were like, yo, what the fuck? Like, you know, Lucas, there's hitting me up and going like, man, I just fucking fell off my fucking chair, dude. Like you just, <laughs> saved, you just saved rock and roll guitar, man. What's going on? Like, yeah. you know, like crazy things, you know, like about the song. But I, what I, what I realized was, Two, two things was, I, I, it was really interesting, you know, the Virgo in me and the producer in me, and I'm, I've always analyzed everything my whole life. That's why I think I end up taking control of a lot of things because I just care. And I'm just like, why? I was just, yeah. why? Why does this work that way? Why does this song touching people? Why is that happening? And I, you know, when, when you go in to do an album, 
I, I try to tell people like as much as I, I cannot be who I am without, let's just start with this, this 10 or 20, but the Mount Rushmore of my players, right? A Brian May, an Edward, a Jimmy Page, and like a Randy Rhodes, right? Or an Al Demiola, which is like, you know, it's in there. You can hear it, you can hear it. Oh, there's the muted stuff that Nuno loved from Al. There's, there's Edward stuff, but you know, you, you culminate it, you make your own soup and you go, you know, you becomes who you are. Everybody has done that. Nobody comes out of the vagina gone like, I got my, t- I know what I'm doing. Give me a guitar. <laughs> you know, no, it, it's, you are what you eat. You have no fucking choice. So, but I've always been of the mind. I'm not, I've never been that guy or that kid that was like, oh my God, I, I love Brian May and I'm going to do this part. And it's going to be very Brian. I'm going to do this part. It's going to be whatever. I'm fucking going to take those guys down. I go in, I don't go in. <laughs> I don't go in. I don't go in an album to go like, oh my god, I want them to really like me, and I want everybody to hear my influence. I'm like, I've, if there's a fucking poster of Eddie Mary, I'm like, I'm fucking, com- I'm going for blood. I'm coming after you, bro, because I have to believe that. I ask myself, would you fucking play this solo right now? Edward walks in the room. Would you play this for him? Would you have the fucking balls to play for him? Go, hey, dude, check this out. Yeah. See your idols, Brian. May. If you're not feeling that or believing it, I don't give a fuck if it actually sucks. But if you're not believing it then you shouldn't be recording that fucking solo or that guitar or anything else. It's like, there's no politeness about going in and recording fucking electric guitar or whatever. And just like trying, you're trying to fucking make friends and relationships. You got to fucking take your heroes down. You got to believe that you're going after them. And that to me is the fire and the passion that you bring. Regardless of genre genre or, 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 or tone or whatever, I don't give it's fucking jazz or whatever you're doing. Like you got to come in with like, going for it. And and it's every time I, I've never, whether people believe it, it's now or not. But then there was a part of me that was going like, okay, then why is everybody reacting to this fucking solo? I mean, I was thinking to myself, okay. And, and even like, man, you know, thank you for fuck. Thank you for like bringing rock and roll back. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I mean, I've been doing this stuff for 40 years, you know, and I've been playing these solos for 40 years in my eyes. Yeah, you know what I mean. Whether it's you know, this solo or whether a peacemaker dies slow or get the funk or whatever, I could bring up a bunch that I think, like you said, there's yeah. some highlights maybe of what you've done or Midnight Express or whatever the fuck it is. But I said to myself, wait a second, something's going on here. And I was like, why are people fucking reacting like that? Like even like a guy like you know a lot of people respect now, and I do like a Rick Beato, for instance, who's got yeah. his thing. He's doing his thing, but he's always breaking down. You know, people love you know watching what he does and how he talks about things and. You know, when he broke that thing down, I'm like, and he's going like, man, the bar has been raised. Like, you know, this is like Nuno's the guy. And, you know, and, 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 and it's like, and I'm like, well, wait a second. How the fuck did I just all of a sudden become the guy? Like, and I really stepped back and I went, I think I know what's going on here. Because, you know, the song's okay. The song's a decent song. I don't even think it's the best song on the album, personally. And I don't even think, and the solo's good. It's, it's you know, it's a good Nuno solo. But I don't even think it's the best solo on the album either. It's the first solo on the album. It's the first song on the album because it's an opener. And that's why we made it the first single because it is a fuck you opening. We think of it like a live set. We think of it yeah, like, yeah. so it was a per- perfect entry. And I was like, okay, it's got a ripping solo for coming in and go like, you know, let's go fucking, let's get this party started. You know? But then I realized, whoa, maybe it's just the timing. And maybe it sounds to me like people are starved. I'm getting more like, thank yeah. you. Then he did. Meaning, like, how do how do we how do we over the last maybe ten, maybe I'm pushing to fifteen years, but maybe at least 10, 12 years, maybe fifteen. How have we been discovering badass guitar players? Because there are a lot of great guitar players out there. I yeah. follow them. We see them every morning, whether it's yeah. on your show or whether it's on Instagram or whatever it is. We're like, man, this fucking dude or this kid. But you know what he's doing? He's doing what I'm doing right now. 
He's sitting in a bedroom and he's like getting up. He's plugging in, killing it, making our jaws drop. And I just put a comment that usually he's like, fuck you, go fuck yourself. That was amazing. Like, I can't do that. You know, and doing things, a lot of new things that you can't do, not what you do. And you admire them and you and you move on with your day. And yeah. you and you might even share it with your buddies. Will you check out this fucking lick this guy's doing or the fucking picking he's doing and doing 12 techniques and one fucking thing that he's, you know, like polyphia and whoever it may be. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going, but this is great. But one thing that I noticed that might be missing differently from what we just did or what we do, which is it's they're giving us the technical aspect of it. And they're sitting down and they're showing some plan. But rock and roll is not that. Rock and roll is is the is is is, is like the mythology of it is people put on rise and they're like, fuck. They're watching me play the solo. They're watching not only me play the solo, they're seeing the passion in the fire. It's a there's a physicality to it, a performance to it that we haven't seen in a minute, maybe, from a band from my generation or sure. my era. Because the guitar players. There's not a lot of physicality. They're like, all the guys that we grew up on, we watched them play. And when you watch Stevie Ray Ron bend a note, he's not sitting on a fucking chair bending a note. He's like fucking, he's fucking doing something where you can, it's like, he's not even playing the instrument. The yeah. instrument is part of his body. There's yeah, like, yeah. You know what I mean? And the same thing with Edward, the same thing with Brian when he fucking plays, you know, there's a, there's something we don't watch. I, I, I've never thought of a guitar as like, oh, I'm, I'm playing an instrument. It either becomes a part of your soul and your being and the fire and your fucking everything's like a lightning rod that's going through it, or else then you just you're just a musician, which is okay. Sure. But I've never considered myself a musician because of that reason. I've always thought if I'm not all in emotionally, physically, and I think what that's what's exciting people. Because if I did, I guarantee you, and I'm not being this is not me being humble or whatever the fuck it is. It's, I'm honest to God. If I did what most people at the label and my management wanted me to do right before Rise came out, which is what everybody does. Everybody does a fucking preview or a sneak preview or it's got to be on TikTok. It's got to be this. Let's get them something. Let's get them excited before they get excited. You know what I mean? Let's not, you know, it's, all, it's always blowing the big fucking reveal. Everybody wants to be the first to show you something. Yeah. And they said, hey, can you give them a taste of Rise the solo in the studio and sit down and, and do it? And like, imagine that. So imagine I do that, you know, two days before the song actually comes out and it gets this reaction. And I sit there with no band, no nothing. And I just go. It's like people are like, okay. I mean, he's bending four or five notes. I mean, okay. And then, you know, you get to like, you know, Dan or Dan and I'm like, okay, it's Nuno playing kind of a funkiness to the lick. And then you even get to the part where everybody's like watching the thing. You go, Oh, whoa. Yeah, the false fingering thing. Yeah, doing what he's been doing for forty years. He's muting. He's playing some some fast stuff, and but he's doing it with these chords underneath. And wow, it's fire! But I'm telling you, if I played that exact lick, and I played it by myself, and you took away the solo in the band, you took yeah. away the rhythm section, you took away those chords underneath it, you took away the fire and the energy and the fucking angst, or even the smell of it, the seeing of it, the rock and roll of it, and more importantly, the mythology of it being in a band. Do you know what I mean? It, it, that's what makes it, that's what gives it the fire and the rock and roll is, is what it is inside of. Cause when I play it by myself, it's, I don't know about you, you, you know, all the, all the multis that were leaked of all yeah. our favorite shit that you could hear. Yeah. Like <laughs> when you heard some of those solos that you were like iconic to you, of course, they're still iconic to you because you know them now they're embedded as yeah, you're hearing hurt. the context without it there. But I'm telling you, of. some of it lost its superpower. 
Yeah. Like it was just like, oh, really? That's the beat it solo? You were like, oh, interesting. Because you need the... It's because I fed off that band. I played that solo in the room, standing up, and I fucking went all in because I had that shit loud and I was feeling something and doing something. I wasn't sitting there calculating. Well, I'm going to, cause when even somebody breaks it down, like in that Rick Beato thing, when he broke it down, the fast part, I've never played it slow. I couldn't fucking, I'd fall off my chair if I tried to play it slow for you. And by the way, (laughs) when I saw him play it slow, it really bummed me out because I went, that's it. That's all. (laughs) My God, how fucking pathetic. It's like, and he's doing a pattern and it's whatever. And I'm glad he does it because I get why people want to learn it. And I respect that. I wish wish somebody was showing me fucking, I didn't have to put a needle on one and go stop and and learn it back in the day. But it it, it humanizes it. It it demystifies it. It's just like, and I get it. That's good for learning. But I went like, oh my God, like I'm a piece of shit. Like that's it. That's all I'm fucking doing. And because the emotion, the speed was part of it. Not yeah. everything is fast on it, but that fucking moment when the band breaks in a halftime goes the other way. If you want to get really technical and fucking yeah. mo- the song is fast, and instead I'm like, hey guys, fucking downshift to gear number two, go halftime, and then let me fucking rip, go the other way. Yeah, That's the magic of it. That's what people should be going like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Whenever people talked about Edward, like, don't, everybody's like the solo, the solo, the solo. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Listen to the rhythm. Listen to what he's playing off of. Listen to what he's doing on the other three minutes of the song. So it was, it was, it was an explosion of like, why is this happening to me that I had to pull back? I mean, the energy of it. I think that's so much of, and what you're talking about, the energy of, of the records that we love and the solos that we love, the context that they're in absolutely matters. And your thing has been happening. And I mean, I'm sure for you, like most guitar players that have been doing it for a long time, it's like, you've heard yourself, nobody has heard Nuno play Nuno licks more than Nuno has. And (laughs) I'm the same way with myself where I'm like, I'm just kind of sick of the way that I play right now. Maybe that's why we get the different amps and the different gear. And you're probably like, yeah, I've been doing this for how long? And then, you know, sometimes it takes... I mean, there's a lot of noise out there on the internet right now. So it, it takes a lot to cut through the noise. And I think you're right. The timing was right. The energy was right. Everything about it of people kind of, uh, even across generations, kind of starving for something like this, something yeah, for this I, kind of energy. You're right. And I think you just nailed it. And that's what I'm trying to say. Fire is, the, you know, let, 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 let's use an emoji that everybody can relate to, right? You know, and it's really, and it's really, but it is fire. To me, it's fire. Like, and then when I li- when I come pull back, I'm like, of course it is. That's what all my heroes had. Yeah, they could play guitar, but they fucking meant it. Like it yeah. was like they were going for blood, and it was like, and and when somebody says to you, "Well, then why did you wait 15 years to release an album?" I'm like, because I would never release anything, whether you like it or not. I would never. I told Gary a long time ago. I said, I'm not releasing a song, a fucking melody, a lyric, an arrangement, a fucking guitar solo, or anything unless it touched unless it touches somebody unless I can't wait. Like we have one fucking little tiny rule and it's just, and it goes back to when you were maybe first started playing guitar when you were 12 or 13 or whatever age you were, where you like, you're playing something in your room where you're playing something with your band or it's by yourself and you're, and you're figuring some shit out and you write a riff and you're like, Oh fuck, I think I'm onto something. It could be the worst yeah, riff in the world. Yeah. Or, or you play a lick and you're like, Oh fuck, you know, like to yourself only not anybody else. Yeah. But you have, but you kind of get all kind of giddy and you're like, yep. Come on, brother. Hey, dude, you want to check this out? Yeah. Like, check this out. Like, you're proud of it. You're, you want to share it. You mm-hmm. want to share it. To me, whether it's a guitar player, you know, or your band or whatever it is, 
that little tiny circle that you know is going to say, bro, that sucks, man. Like, what are you talking about? Like the ones that really <laughs> matter. But instead they go, oh, fuck, dude. Like, yeah. So that one little feeling, if I don't have that for a rise or whatever fucking song's coming out or a solo I played, if I can't show it for three or four people that mean something to me, I'm, why show it to three or four million people? Yeah. You have to put your head on the pillow, not being like excited to, sh- to share it. You know, not in an egotistical way, but just like kind of like, yo, man, I think this is good. I think yeah. this is cool. You know, it, 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 Pete Townsend said a long time ago, he was on the radio and I was driving my car and they were, they were coming back for like the fourth fucking retired, whatever, you know, they're, they're over and they're doing another tour. And he, and, and he spoke to, he goes, yeah, we spoke to Roger Daltrey and he's like, this is so exciing. He said, you guys are coming back and doing another tour, another farewell tour for the fans. And Pete Townsend's like, excuse me? It's like live on the radio. He goes, anybody, any artist, any singer, guitar player, band who tells you they're doing anything for the fans is a fucking liar, a complete <laughs> liar. And I was like, oh shit, like this is like heavy. And I, th- I thought he was kind of an asshole, but I get it. We don't do this for you. We don't do this for the fans. We don't fucking do it for your girlfriend. We don't do it for anybody. It's the most self-centered, selfish, self-fulfilling fucking anything getting off and doing what you do. And that's what the fans should want. Any fan who hears me saying this and going, I want to ask them like, no, we want to share it with you. We can't wait to show you, can't wait to perform for you because then it becomes that part of the relationship. We can't do, we can't do any of this without our fans, but the fans should want the band to be a selfish. So when that album comes out, it's something so fucking passionate and so them and so whatever, like you don't want to be punching the clock. Let's do another more than words because the fans loved it. Yeah. Like they see through all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you brought up going out for blood and I'm I'm the same way. I'm I love that. I love that about your playing in that shows. And and guitar solos. I heard I think I read somewhere that this rise solo that like Eddie Van Halen came to your door while you're recording this song and you were like, Yeah, I'm not gonna play it for you yet. Or like, what, what? you like wouldn't play it for him until it was done or something? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you know how you, you do you do one interview and then and then you say something that's, <laughs> and then it be, literally it becomes like, I, I don't know how many I've done. It's become the headline. Really? Eddie Van Halen shows up at Nuno's house recording the, while he's recording the Rise solo. You, you know, we, I can give you literally the, you know, I have, well, I've never done any conversation 36, but I can give you the highlights. It was, it was literally like Gary was in town and we're recording the album. Like they'd fly yeah. in with some songs and go back. Of course, I didn't even know I was recording the Rise solo until probably my fourth interview in like a couple of weeks ago when I was just doing the math in my head. And I was like, Gary, remember the day? And I remember I was coming down. I'm like, oh shit, that was the afternoon. Gary's doing the solo. So that means I was cutting, I mean, doing doing his vo- vocals. So we tried to do it that way. I have all basics done. He's going to do vocals. He's got to do later because of his voice. But let me cut my guitars early in the day. And yeah. I remember it was like about noon or something. And Gary said to me, hey, I'm going to lunch. I said, cool, because I'm going to be cutting the solo for the song today. Come in back around two or three and hit me up. And if there's one thing that Gary knows and the band knows or any engine, I work by myself all the time. I fucking hate anybody in the room with me where I'm cutting. The reason is, is because I like to, like you said, go for blood. And to do that, you almost got to black out and be really into what you're doing. And I don't want somebody even asking me like, hey, you good? You want a cup of coffee? Where I'm like, it wakes me up out of like, Sure. Where I need to be tonally, spiritually, you know, emotionally. Mm. So I'm up there myself and Gary knows like, don't ever fucking bother Nuno if you're going to do anything for the last 40 years of the studio. Like, don't fucking come <laughs> and go, let me what you're doing, man. So all of a sudden I'm in there and my phone is fucking going off and it's just like, it's Gary. And, and I'm like, and then again, I don't answer. I'm like, decline, decline. I'm fucking cutting this solo that I'm really getting into. And I'm the way I cut solos now more than ever is 
I don't like to like, oh, do bits by bits of anything. I like to do full passes where I'm like, get lost in it. Fuck yeah. it. Do another pass. Do it. Then do a third one. Then listen to see where I'm at. Yeah. And then there, there it was. It was where I'm like, oh, what the fuck am I doing there? Love that. Pull it down. Oh my God, this ending, this percussive thing I was doing. What the fuck is that? Let me pull it down and do whatever. So it's kind of like a comp. But yeah. emotionally, I try not to do like too much like, oh, let me get that right. Let me get yeah, that right. Yeah. So, so all of a sudden the phone's going off and I'm getting pissed. He's called me three times now. And then he starts texting me and I'm like, Gary's called me and texted me more in the last fucking five minutes than he did in the last 40 years. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so, and he's like, come down. I'm reading the text. Come down, man. There's some, you know, you, you got to come down and say hi. And I'm like, the fuck's he talking about? So finally I'm like, man, something must be going on. Walk down. It's a little bit of a walk down from my studio to get to the street. And I'm like fucking pissed. I opened the door and Edward's outside. And uh, Edward went to lunch with him. And uh, that's the lunch he was going. He didn't tell me. Yeah. Um, and so I come out and I'm like, okay, this is a good reason. This is a good reason <laughs> to interrupt, interrupt my playing. And, um, and you know, quick hello, you know, quick, you know, Eddie's a big kisser, you know, a big kiss and a big hug. And, and it was amazing. I'm like, fuck Edward's here. Wow. I haven't seen, I hadn't seen him in a minute. And um, he was excited. He was playing Wolfie stuff outside the window of the car. He was like, you know, playing the car because Wolfie was doing his new album. He goes, he's playing yeah. all the instruments, you know, proud, proud Papa bragging about it, which you, you, we've all heard it now. It's really good. And, uh, and then he was telling us, Hey, you know, I go, I go, what'd you guys got going on? He goes, well, you know, keep it between us, but Van Halen's coming back and we're, we're going to go out the way we came in with Michael and we're going to do a fucking final, like, boom, out the door. I'm like original cast. Like he's like, yeah, I'm like, finally way overdue. Yeah. No offense, Wolfie, but come on, you know, it's like we, we needed that for a while. And, um, and then he was like, yeah, Garrett told me you're up, you know, you're recording the studio. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and he was like, yeah, well, you know, it'd be great to hear that, you know, hear what's going on. I'm like, yeah, cool. But you know, like the, here comes an asshole Virgo comes out to me and was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not like, you know, I'm still cutting guitars or whatever. He goes like, you know, if you could come back and listen to it, I'm like, <laughs> now when I say that out loud, I'm like, what an asshole you are. And, uh, you know, it wasn't ready, but it would have been nice to share some stuff with him. And because, yeah. you know, sadly enough, he, he didn't come back. And um, uh, and I, he seemed so healthy at the time. He seemed in good spirits. And I don't yeah. think any of us knew it was like like that. And uh, and yeah, and we never got to play him the album. And, and then there was a part of me. And then when I went back up, when I was telling this story a while ago, I went back up and I was literally calculating my head the date. And when I was doing it, when Gary came up, I'm like, wait, Gary... I remember that day because you don't forget a day that Edward shows up at your house. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, we were fucking cutting Rise that day. It was the Rise solo that I got interrupted by Edward. The irony of it. And, you know, and when people say that's what people have been telling me in some interviews. And by the way, I haven't been on a guitar cover since 93. Like it's been 30 years in, in the U.S. especially. And it's, and, and I've been doing, going to do a few. And when I'm doing these articles and they say, man, you know, you know, you're basically the heir to that throne, Edward Throne. I'm like, let me fucking tell you something. Nobody's sitting in that fucking throne. Nobody's <laughs> sitting in Edward's throne. It's like Game of Thrones where it's like an empty throne with all the fucking necks coming out of the chair. And it's his and it's only his. Not yeah. me, not Vi, not even Jimmy Page, not anybody. Edward's throne is Edward's throne only. Yeah. And he changed the fucking game. He changed, He's probably my most influenced into a guitar player, even with Brian and everything else probably. And, and he... um it stays that way. And, and, you know, the only thing that I can hope for is that, you know, he's rise comes out and, you know, we carry that torch for that generation. He's a generation before me and we carry the torch and continue it and pass it on as, as many great players of my generation did and are still. 
And you hope that maybe when, you know, he's looking down and smiling down and going like, you know, you done good kid, you know what I mean? Like, you know, thumbs up. That's it. You know what I mean? You, you can never, you, you know, uh, would have been great to play it for him. But I'll tell you one thing that I did do. I didn't go back and re-record it because a lot of people, like, one article came out, Nuno goes in and records Extreme Album after, De- you know, Eddie passed as a tribute to Edward Van Halen. I'm like, no, I never said that. The album was already pretty much done. Rise was one of the last ones we did. And, but I did do something that I'd never done before after Eddie came that day and then after he passed. And I couldn't do this because you, like, you know, everything I'm doing is analog going in, right? So once it's in there, I don't want to take it out or re-record or do anything. But of course, I've never been able to use my whole life, and you'll, you'll relate to this as a, as a guitarist, I've never been able to put a phase 90 on anything I've ever done. And there's a reason for that, as you know. You go and do that, you instantly, people go like, come on, man, come on. And he'll want, it's, it's Edward. You can't fucking touch that thing. It's just, you can't do anything without it sounding like Edward. It's his, totally, yeah, yeah. his pedal from the fucking day he put it on his guitar. But I was like, and I had, I don't, I don't think I've ever, I don't not, forget, think I've never recorded with one ever because of that. I'm like, I got to carve a different path here. Cause it's like, even though I'm influenced by him, it's going to be fucking so like, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like taking his, <laughs> his jacket or his fucking, you know, his knickers and going like, Hey, I'm going to wear this today. So, but I was like, fuck it. And I'm like, I don't want to redo the solo. So I fucking went desperately online looking for like, what, did anybody make a true, true phase 90 plugin? That yeah. li- like actually, I mean, you close your eyes and it's that motherfucking pedal. Yeah. I figured by now, probably. And there was a free one that like, and I'm on an older, I'm on older Pro Tools. I'm, I'm like, I haven't even fucking caught up because I like, once I record <laughs> now, I, I don't like changing software in the middle of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like trying this plugin and I'm like, let me just put it on this Rise solo. And I fucking was like, all right, there it is. You know, and I, and I was like, there it is. Especially, and ironically enough, even before Deadwood came that day, I was already, when I opened that solo, we all know what that is. It's like, it's like, it's like kind of an, an eruption-esque kind of, you know, a little picking thing. We're like, nah, nah, nah. And I was, I was doing it out of my own will and, and everything else in my own, nobody was puppeteering me other than my influences. But then I was like, well, second, it was, sounded like something when you heard it without it. I was like, yeah, it's me doing that. Second I put it on, I was like, oh my God, this is why he used it. It took all the picking, instead of it being one dimensional and just notes going up, it made this thing in the front end that you could hear the pick in a way that I remember in a reference. It was like, instead of it going, it was like this weird phaser, weird thing that just on the front end of the pick that I was like, there it is. Huh. There's the fucking tone. It's not a phaser because you're hearing the note go, the note itself. It's the fucking pick it's when you hear it it's got this it's almost like that it's it's hard for me to describe it's not hard it's it's warm but yet it gives you within one picking i don't know bar it gives you 10 tones yeah you cut in the front end and i was just like i almost was so addicted to it that i was like maybe i could just throw it on this <laughs> <laughs> so i think i literally threw it on three or four songs but it was because of edward yeah. It was it was because and, and I was if there's a nod there a, a, a an exact tribute nod there it's the it's the phase ninety pedal I love and, that and, and I stuck it maybe I think on two or three maybe four songs you've also done a lot on other people's records you've been a part of the guitar in the like you've been one of the guitar players in the zeitgeist and like been a good ambassador for the instrument for decades I mean I'm thinking about not only with extreme, but I mean, you've played on, I mean, I'm a Minneapolis cat, so I know all the stuff that came out of flight time, like Janet Jackson, rhythm nation, some of that stuff. 
uh, Robert Palmer, Tony Braxton, B.B. Mack, even some of the Jonas Brothers. There was an <laughs> iconic moment this year, another one. I think every guitar player in the world who was watching the Super Bowl, <laughs> at, like halfway through the halftime show, you popped on screen, everybody's like, Nuno! It's Nuno! <laughs> and the whole room... <laughs> You mean they actually? You mean they actually paused it and saw my one second, my one frame of me being in on the Super Bowl broadcast? I didn't have to pause it, dude. I immediately I look up, I'm like Nuno, and my friend texts me, the drummer in my band. He's like, dude, did you just see Nuno? That was Nuno, right? I was like, yeah, that was Nuno. And then all of a sudden, all the guitar threads in my phone, like all the guitar group texts, are going up. Like, yo, was that Nuno? Is Nuno with Rihanna right now? <laughs> it, you know, it was so exciting and a bucket list thing for me because I'm a big sports fan anyways. And I had been at that stadium before twice to see the Patriots play and lose and win one. But for me, it was like just playing the Super Bowl. Two things. One, it's, it's you know, at 56, being able to play the Super Bowl as a guitar player musician is such a fucking, it's such a blessing and a, and a gift because chances yeah. are playing the Super Bowl is none, right? So the fact that it's like, I'm there and I'm like, this is amazing. And the fact that, that, you know, I'm the guy that's like, well, everybody goes home after rehearsing in the stadium. I'm going down to the field and sniffing the field. And, and then I get up and people <laughs> yell, somebody's yelling, a voice comes over, you get to get off the field. And then I get up and there's like wet paint from the end zone. That's like on my, <laughs> on my, on my forearms. I'm like, sorry, but just, you know, yeah, look, it's Rihanna's Super Bowl. It's not mine. It was odd in a way, even the band, every, even, even I think even Rihanna's stuff was like, why didn't they ever show the, <laughs> the band? Like they showed, there was, they showed a lot, you know, great visuals, but it was almost like, it was odd because all the bands that perform on this stuff are, are throwing the party. That part of like yeah. seeing it is hearing it. And we were like, I think they showed us standing there in between a song when we actually played all the songs. We played the whole thing. So yeah. it was really bizarre. But having said all that, what an experience. What a bucket list moment. I'm so blessed to have done it. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a big deal for me. Yeah. Even for 1.5 millisecond. <laughs> when you're playing on all these different pop things, playing on other records, stuff that's not always known for having the guitar as like part of the thing, like in the way that rock and roll is, in the way that the music that you make and create of your own, I mean, obviously you're a guitar player, but so much of it, the guitar is one of the centerpieces of it. What is your approach to playing the guitar, coming up with guitar parts, interpreting synth parts or whatever? Like some of those songs don't really have guitar on the albums. What's your approach to, to bringing that into the mix? I think, look, I'm always a song guy first, right? So I do, believe it or not, I do this with an extreme song. I take what the song, you know, if there's, if there's one thing, I don't really you always let your playing do the talking, right? I've always let my playing do the talking. I don't fucking brag. I'm not, sure. I'm not humble, but I'm not like an asshole. Right. I'm just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> there it is. I mean, yeah. what do you want me to tell you? I'm great. Or I'm shit. I mean, yeah, you yeah. make up your mind. There's my soul. Is there a thing I've had, you know, not all the comments on rise were like, hey, like that. There were people ripping it apart. I mean, it was a small group, but you know, that's how we are. Like we could play a yeah. fucking stadium for 90,000 people. And all you need is one guy in the third row going like this, the whole gig. And that's all we remember about the gig. And that's all we're remembering while we're playing. It's why I don't read comments. My manager sent me stuff. Read, read these comments. They're fucking amazing. I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And it's like, this sucks, man. Fuck this shit. I'm out. So it's like, it's like, it, you know, so for me, when somebody, the thing that I brag about the most and that I am, am, am proud of the most is like, I play for the song mm. as much as I can play for the song. I take it, I take what it gives me. And when it's a song like Rise where it's, double time and it's fucking energy and it's going, then I, 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 I want to be in that tone in that world. And if it's, and if it's, 
Um, have you heard the album yet? Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So if it's like other side of the rainbow, it's a mid tempo kind of thing, and then it's like, all right, you, you you give what the changes are feeding. If if it's a song like Hurricane, it's an acoustic song in the album, which really emotional. It's about you know losing my, one of my best friend in a motorcycle accident three years ago. So when I'm actually playing and I, it's an acoustic solo and I'm going up and I hit a note and I think at the time I'm going to play something and then I just pause because, and I left it for two bars because that's what I was feeling. It's almost like mm. sometimes it's what you don't play, but it's, the, it's like, it's so it's like that with extreme and it's like that with any of these other gigs I do. It's like, you know, when they hit me up to do Rihanna, I was like, why? <laughs> There's no guitar. I mean, what, what do you want me for? And she's, well, she, you, you know, she saw some of the stuff online that the music director, Tony Bruno, you know, showed her. I was like, this is the dude you want. He plays different fields and different stuff. And, and that was the thing. Like everybody thought it was a bit of a joke gig in a way, like as a guitar, it's a pop gig. Let me tell you, it was one of the most difficult things I could ever do. Most guitar players could not do that gig. Why? Because you have to change hats. You have to go from a reggae feel, feel like, yeah. you know, funk. You got, you're doing club tracks, you're doing trap, you're doing fucking pop, you're doing dance, you know, it's R and B, you know? So I was like, wow, I've been like training my whole life for this shit because you have to do like eight genres within one. And it was amazing. And I'm playing with like Stevie Wonder's drummer and playing with sick fucking band. It was no joke. Yeah. So for me, I was excited. They said, no, man, you get to be yourself. man. so I get to do what I'm doing. Same rigs. It goes, yep. That's what she wants. She wants you to rock out the set. Like, like, wow, this is fun. Cool. This is interesting. I get to take all their hits and ruin the shit. I'm like, yes, <laughs> let's, let's, let's destroy these songs. Let's, you know, so, you know, songs like umbrella and big songs where you like power chords and, and, you know, and riffs and stuff like that. And they were like, go. And then giving me like three or four, like massive solos by myself. Well, thank God for wardrobe changes. I'm like, yeah, go. <laughs> I got you. I got this. And, you know, but out in the middle of an arena while creating instrumentals with these fucking epic stuff and with her in arenas and stadiums, it was insane. It was yeah. really fucking cool. And it was different because, you know, I, I remember being in Germany and I just interviewed the guy. It's been a lot. The guy just interviewed me. And I go, and he goes, yeah, we, we interviewed him backstage. Ariana. He goes, oh, I remember you. You were laughing when I, at the end of the interview after Soundcheck. And I said to you, here's your tickets and here's your pass. I'll see you afterwards. And he looked at your partner and he said, yeah, it's really not our cup of tea. You know, we're probably going to go. And I was like, oh, okay. And I said, I'll tell you what, since you're here, we're on in an hour. Watch a couple of songs. Just, you know, right here, right in the VIP, right in front of me. Here it yeah. is. Boom. I go to the I go to the meet and greet afterwards. Guess who's sitting there with him and his partner going like and he comes over and they go like, Wow, I'm so sorry. That was I can't believe I almost missed that. That was yeah. some of the most incredible musicianship playing, not only guitar wise, but the band and everything. Like everything was live. I'm like, I told you. And yeah. he's like, I owe you an apology. That was kind of like almost arrogant, snobbish, like because I just thought she was a pop artist, but I had no idea. And that's what it was like, man. We'd have fucking jams, bro. The band, we, because she was so huge and she'd do like 12 nights at 02 in London, right? Yeah. Who the fuck does that? So we're like residents at an arena. So we were like, fuck this. We'd get a separate locker room, whatever the hell. We'd set up gear that lived in there. So the band would have after shows from like, we'd finish at 11. We'd jam till 4 a.m. every night and do an after party. But it was yeah. the craziest fusion. These guys are players, players. Yeah, Fusion, yeah. funk jazz two keyboard play it was like i was getting schooled and i'm like in a pop i'm in a pop band <laughs> bullshit it was wild it was awesome no those i mean you i can tell when i listen it's like these are real players you know yeah, there's a lot of church players yeah. background like you know really soulful amazing yeah there's a lot of pop bands that have 
in or pop acts that have incredible the majority bands. of them are majority of them are and they're all the same they're like a circuit of them like from philly you know and from new york and you know yeah. and even like from your neck of the woods a lot of players like you know yeah yeah i remember going out and seeing mike scott the guitar player mm. playing with justin timberlake i sat in front of him and just watched him all night it was like oh my gosh and i've i've since met him and hung out with him but i was thinking this is legit guitar playing that Sure, a lot of people here might not appreciate it, but the musicianship on this stage is absolutely insane and it looks so much fun to play. Yeah, and it's and it's and what I love about that world is they kind of know and they go, We know on the album everything's programmed. There's an eight oh eight here and it's so sparse, and then there's a melody, and Rihanna's kind of like doing this melody and everything. But they're like, they at least have the insight to go like, let's make this a fucking live show. Like, yeah. let's not just fucking do playback and do this. And we just replace all the parts that are there, but then we add shit and fucking fills and arrangements are insane. And you're like, this is fun. And almost all the artists, even Bieber, like they're fucking drummers and they have bands. You go see Justin Bieber and you're like, what the fuck? This is Justin Bieber playing live. And you're watching this shit going like, this is insane. This is like yeah. fusion. It's fusion. It's like what it's fucking, you know, it's all the greatest players we grew up on that were playing, you know, Return of Forever or like on stage with Justin Bieber. It's like, what the fuck is going on? My last question for you is, because uh, I'm curious about this. Your your records, a lot of people know the band for the acoustic stuff. A lot of people know it as the hard rock and roll stuff. And I've heard you at one point say that Extreme might be the most misinterpreted band of all time. And I wonder if it has to do, I don't know if you meant that musically. I don't know if you meant that well, I guess artistically, same thing. What did you mean by that? And do you still feel that way now? Yeah, I think I think uh, a band, let's call it culture, right? A band has a culture, their own sure. culture. They have yep. their, own little, their yeah. own, own bubble, their own little world, their own way they dress, the own way they talk to each other, the way they write songs. The way they, if they are true artists, they do that. Yeah. If they're not fucking like, like for instance, ACDC is the perfect example of like, we think a band oh my God, they might repeat themselves. No, that's fucking ACDC. And that's what we want them to be. We yeah. want them that first position doing fucking power chords and those fucking arena fucking grooves. And please do not change for any other reason than the fact that you <laughs> wrote a new album. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's the same thing that goes for the opposite of band like Queen. Where I grew up, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like I'm going from like, Death on Two Legs in the beginning of Night at the Opera, and then what? And then fucking Bohemian Rhapsody on there. And then it's like good company, and you know, like, and it's a fucking guitar orchestration thing. I'm like, what is happening here? Then it's like a 1920s, you're watching something from the 1920s. And what I loved about that is every Queen album was like that within its world, within itself. And yeah. what I mean by like that is like, they don't give a fuck. ACDC doesn't give a fuck what you think. And Extreme doesn't give a fuck what you think. If we write a song on acoustic, I'm not going like, hey guys, it's time to write a song. As a matter of fact, I've never, I've never actually gotten up. And I, I was thinking about this the other day because I'm like, if you're going to say something like this, don't be an asshole and, and, and lie. I was like, wow, I've never sat down to write a song. I've never sat down to write a song. I've never sat down and go like, all right, 10, 10 11 today, I'm going to write a song. And then, and then I, it's for Extreme. And then I'm going to go do this, I'm going to do that. It's always been like, you pick up a guitar because you feel like, I'm like, oh, fuck, that's a cool riff. Panic, grab my fucking microcassette recorder and, or, and now my phone and go like, you <laughs> yeah. know, and, and go, my phone. And then this is what happens. And this is like, and this is the next album, right? And you're like. Uh, yeah, voice note number 185, 183. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got quite the collection of voice notes oh, there. This is the new shit. So for me, I'm like, 
I'm like, you know, it could be on a toilet. It could be on an airplane. It could be in the car in an Uber. And you're like, fuck. And you're singing something or a lyric. Or these, you know, most of the time, most of the riffs, this is going to sound fucking almost like maybe disappointing. Most of the riffs that you hear that I play, I sang them. That's not disappointing at all. Yeah. It's- you know, like, it's like literally like you'll hear m- most of like the, the stuff. It's like, I, I, I hear melody all the time, not only for vocals. I'm like, every most of my voice is to me going, all right, groove for fucking extreme funk number five, whatever. And I'm like, and I have a bass there. And I'm like, great. Okay. Let yeah. me, then I'll go back and I'm like, let me grab a guitar and see what the fuck that really means. And, um, and so it's one of those things like I've never sat down to write. So philosophically, I'd say we're like a queen, but then so was Zeppelin like that philosophically. And sure. so was ACDC like that. Meaning what? Meaning Zeppelin was like, I don't give a fuck. We'll throw an acoustic song. We'll do a whole album, Zepp 3. That's like half of it. Two thirds is an acoustic album. And people are going to hate it. And they're going to hate us. And they're going to go, it's the worst Zeppelin album. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. And it's like that with Prince. It's like that with people that they, they go from like, they, they find their parameters and then they fucking explore their parameters. They're not, and we're not trying to do when I first kissed you on the piano. I sat down on the piano and wrote that on Porn Feet. I just wrote it and did it and played it and, and we recorded it. There's no fucking science. There's no calculations. No matter. When Rise came out, everybody, we, we showed Rise to the label. It was like, fucking genius, dude. Modern. You went fucking modern. You're playing the, the heavy, it's the heavier shit and you, we can cross over and go. And I'm like, we are? I'm like, we did? I was just like, I just, we just played it. In fact, I wrote that, I wrote that with a buddy of mine, you know, Jordan Ferrer is a great guitar player and, you know, and he's coming up with guitar parts and stuff. We didn't know it was for extreme meaning it's organic yeah, and it is what it is. And then if it touches it and it's like, we make it an extreme. So I'm like, okay, let's go, let's go all in on this idea. Yeah. And as you listen to even the new album, it's really the album. Should, every album should be called expect the unexpected. So whenever somebody says something and the song comes out, they're like, that's not extreme. I go, thank you. That's extreme. Extreme yeah. is saying that's not extreme from album to album, from, from porno to three sides, to punchline. It's like, and it's not on purpose. I have to be honest. Everybody thinks, so you guys just try to be different. You try to just, no, it's wherever we are, things change. People yeah. die. People get divorced. People change. People, sometimes I don't pick up my instrument for fucking six months because I look at it like I'm, if I'm not there, it's like, I look at the guitar like a relationship. It's like a human being, like a friend that you like, sometimes, man, I want to hang out with you. Sometimes I'm fucking sick of you, bro. It's like, I don't want to see you. <laughs> it's got to be organic where you like, you know, where you like pick something up or you write something. Sometimes it's just, you sit on a piano for three months. You don't play guitar. It's like, what? People say, you know, doesn't play guitar for three, six months. Yes, that happens. But as long as you're doing what really the fans know and listeners know when you're bullshitting, they just know you want them to know that if a fucking left hook comes in on a song on the album, like they're going to shit themselves when they hear like beautiful girls and they're going to go, that is definitely not extreme. What is this? Like a reggae fucking like beach song. What is happening here? Like this, you know, no, that was written like that, that day for that reason. And that's it. And you know what? And you know how song makes it on an extreme album is we were writing albums. People saying you're full of shit. You've been lying. You've been saying there's an album coming in 2013, 2016. I wasn't lying. It was coming. It was happening. We were trying to do it. But I, like I told Gary, I will never release anything that we aren't like, yeah, fuck yeah. And it wasn't there yet. And then when we hit that eureka moment in like 2017, 2018, we're like, uh-oh, I'll never forget it. It was like, talk about, you talk about solidifying what I just told you, the unexpected. I flew over. I was writing, the, writing with a buddy of mine, Jordan, like I told you. And, and, and I was cutting vocals to some of the ideas he had. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking cool. I had like three or four. And it was only instrumentals to Rise, Hashtag Rebel, 
Save Me, Mask, Thicker Than Blood. It was like the heavier tracks, three or four, yeah. like the heavy shit. And I was like, I can't wait to fucking fucking play this for Gary. Like, no man, this is like, I don't know, this is some other shit. Like, I'm excited. Like, it's us, but it's kind of like Metallica and Aerosmith having a baby this time around. Sure. You know, it's like, it's, it's interesting. What happens? Gary's mom passes away. And him and his mom had the ultimate relationship that any son or mom can have. Like, you can't be that tighter or that more influential in each other's lives. So I fly over, fly over for the funeral in, in, Ma- in Massachusetts, in Malden, Mass. And let me tell you something. I lost, he didn't know, but I lost my mom in, 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 uh, in 2001. And I told Gary that day, I said, you look at it like it's a loss. It's a loss of family. It's hard. You know, it's like losing this person. I said, no, it's really different. I said, because as a man, I said, a boy, I said, you never truly ever become an adult or a man until you lose your mom, period. I don't give a fuck if you're 50 and you lose your mom. It's when you lose, whenever your mom is alive, there's always a, somebody above you that you go to and you talk to that you still feel like you're still not, it's not all you yet. Mm. And when your mom goes, you're like, oh fuck, it's down to me. I am now, in, I'm in charge of my life. You know, I'm in charge of, it's me and now I'm going this way. Like now I'm the mom, I'm the dad, I'm the mm. one. And, and I saw Gary and it really, it, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I guess I'm not going to play Gary these, these fucking heavy wrists and all this stuff and say, dude, let's go. Let's go for fucking blood. Because what I saw at the funeral and I saw the collapse in him and I saw the emotion. I'm like, but you know what? T- classic extreme. Um, we're at the funeral. We go to the wake. Brutal. A lot of friends, a lot of families saying hello and, and you know, and a lot of tears. And, you know, because she was like a mom to me. I slept on his couch for fucking years and she fed me three times a day. And she was the one, you know, she was the rock in that fucking early extreme days. And I get in the car with Gary. I'm just saying, you just want to, you want me? I'll drive you. I'll drive you back. It's not too far. And it's the old neighborhood. We're literally in the old neighborhood where we first, where he lived, where we started writing decadence dance and all that shit. And we're looking, we're driving by the house. Remember that fucking apartment where you were crashing? And I was like writing this and writing the pornography. And I was like, cool. So we pull over and I'm about to drop him off. I'm like, and he's like, yo, man, you good? He's like, good. He's like, you want to hear something? <laughs> I was like, he's like, I, you know, I, it's cool if you, he goes, no, man, I need to fucking hear something. Well, this is what I wanted to play. It's they're just instrumentals. And I'm going to sing you the, the, the melody. So I'm singing the melodies with no lyrics. Like, and I'm singing Rise. And I'm playing Rise. And I crank it up in the car. And I play the riff. And he's just like, big smile comes over his face. He's like, fuck. He goes, dude. And then I play him hashtag rebel. The riffs and stuff. And he's like, and the melodies I'm singing. I'm like. I got the hook already at that point. No, 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 the fucking yo- I'm yodeling in the car. He's like, yeah. you yodeling? <laughs> He's like, can we yodel? I'm like, fuck yeah, let's fucking yodel in this shit. <laughs> Chesha does it. Why can't we fucking yodel? So, on it. But I'm playing him this stuff and I'm going to save me and I'm playing. He's like, yo, man, this is like porno 2.0 to me. I'm like, absolutely. Like, this is like just a little heavier than what we're used to doing, but it's still fucking with our vocals and our harmonies and fucking like, I'm feeling this. You digging this? He goes, yeah, I'm all in. Let's go. And that was it. At, after a funeral, after a wake, you know, I, I'm sorry, not the wake, but after the, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the, the funeral afterwards. And that was the birth of, of six is like me and Gary sitting in a car in Malden, Massachusetts, like fucking crying all day. And then like, that's when you know, yeah. that's when you know, if this shit is fucking surpasses and elevates you emotionally that you just lost your mother. And I lost, I felt like I lost my mother in a way. 
and we're sitting there fucking banging our heads and fucking singing melodies. And he's like, what's the melody then? I'm like, well, like, that's when you know that brotherhood and the band and we don't give. That's when you, that's when I'd say in all and as polite and, and as loving as I can say, we don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks. We really don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we want everybody, would we rather get a fucking Rolling Stone review that says it was the greatest album of all time? Of course, 10 out of 10. But sometimes it wasn't until Rolling Stone gave us the, like, it was like, what, a half star away from being a perfect album porno. So I'm like, oh my God, their heads are going to explode when we give them three sides. I can't fucking wait. Wah, 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 wah. Didn't happen that way. It was more like somebody ripping us apart and saying, ah, it's a concept album. I hate when bands do a concept album. Like, and then I realized that, why am I destroyed on that? I'm like, oh, I see, you know, because your fucking ego loved it when yeah. a person, a person, whose only contribution to rock and roll is going to be his opinion is bumming you out or, or, or you're waiting for him to tell you how great you are. That's when you realize what the fuck am I doing? It's about us in the room, in the car, in the Mm. studio. And then when these babies go out, it's all everybody else. It's theirs. It's not even ours anymore. It's literally not ours anymore. Once more than words becomes a hit or look what happened to rise. I have no fucking clue how that happened. Yeah. It was like great marketing, marketing. The fuck you talking about? You guys did a heavy song. It's current. It's modern. The fucking solo was perfect for the fucking first single. I'm like, dude, it's the opener of the album. There's your fucking marketing. The marketing is like, who does more do? Well, if we're going to open with Rise, why not open? Why wouldn't that be the first single? Wow, genius. Fucking genius. There's your marketing. <laughs> well, man, I, I think the new record is great. And just like every other extreme record, there are so many surprises. I mean, the. The heavy stuff is great. The softer stuff is stuff great. The stuff that's more reggae, beachy, like you described, is great. Thicker than blood, you got the little funky guitar, that's percussive about, stuff. Know, that's about as funky as it gets, though. Like, and that was on purpose. When I was telling, was talking to Gary, and we were going on the excitement of those three first four songs. One thing yeah. I noticed about them that was turning us on, I didn't notice at the time. It wasn't until we culminated the album and we curated it. We're like, because the way the way an extreme album works always is. We don't pick our favorite songs. I know this sounds hard to believe, but as a group, we're like, there. whatever spot you see on the album, it's almost like a set list. We do it like a three-act play, right? There's always like intro or a meal. Like those first four or five songs are like appetizers that like, hey, these are the first four or five songs everybody's going to hear live or in the studio when they put those fucking headphones on on an album. Like we got to give them some, something to, you know, oh, wow, here's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, fucking, you know, chicken satay with a little bit of whatever. And they're apps. And then literally, that's one through five. Six through 10, the second half of the album, is the meal. It's the darkest shit. It gets a little bit, you know, it's yeah. a fucking good meal. It's deep. It's whatever. You got to really fucking get into it, eat, taste it. And then dessert is the last two songs. It's like, it's like fucking beautiful <laughs> girls and, and here's the losers. Not that we sit there and talk about the meal, but really sure. we always end up doing it that way. Yeah. Like, so somebody could take that journey, that journey with us. But that first song, that first spot, usually is being fought off by five other songs mm. that have to be in the same energy in the same wheelhouse as yeah. well. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So we don't go like, we go, oh my God, I want that one, I want that one. But it's not the ones that you want to put on that stay there. It's the one you cannot take off. We're always like, we want that one, great. Which one are you going to take off? And we're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> we're like, ugh. And that's why Rise was there. And that's why Rebel's there. And that's why Other Side of the Rainbow. And that's why Small Time Beautiful and all the other ones. They all fought for that position yeah. in their own in their own genre, if you will, in their own in their own wheelhouse for the album. And that's how we do it. You know? Well, man, thanks so much for taking the time to hang with us today. 
It's really great to see you. And uh, I hope that we get to hang and play some guitar sometime soon. Oh, fuck yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I now have to go be the biggest fucking Nuno clone and extreme cover band guitar player and now learn what I played on these fucking singles that are out. That everybody <laughs> wants to hear. The guys are like, hey, you got to play Rise now. You know, I'm like, oh, fuck. I got to play Rise. I got yeah, to work up. Yeah, you're going to have to do that. I'm now going to go to online and watch these guys break down the song so I can, they can teach me <laughs> what the fucking guitar songs because I'm telling you right now, I don't know. I couldn't fucking tell you what I did. I couldn't fucking tell you. Like, it's like, I know it's there. I can hear it. And I kind of know I was exploring, but now I have to literally learn it. Like I'm learning somebody's fucking guitar solo. Like, Oh, what did I fucking play there? Like, cause I was like in another headspace. And even, even the beginning of the solo of rise, people are like, Oh my God, it's, it's so perfectly manicured in place. The first fucking note I went for in the room I was standing in, I missed two strings of the fucking note that I went for. <laughs> now that you go back and hear it, you're going to hear this thing go, <laughs> it's like a, what is that sound? It's like a kick drum mixed with a car accident and a fucking, I don't know what it is. But I left it because I was like, my younger self might have fixed that. But I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, that's the fucking, that's the way to open a solo. I'm like, leave it, leave them. But now I got to figure out how to make that sound. I don't know how to do do that YouTuber a favor and tell them thank you for making the video and that you learned your solo again from them. Oh, trust me. <laughs> I want to see which one did it the best, and I'm gonna have them teach me my own fucking solo. Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, good to see you, Nuno. Thanks for hanging, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. There you have it. Nuno Betancourt. This cat's a legend. He's been around for a long time and he's gonna stick around. He's got the skill, he's got the drive, he's got the passion, he's got the mindset. This guy's a hustler. I didn't know he was out there making the music videos, producing the records, engineering, the, doing like everything. It's a modern man. You know what I'm saying? Like most cats that were doing the thing in the 80s and 90s, they're not out there. They're not in Final Cut. They're not doing the thing. They're not posting their own YouTube videos. I like Nuno's hustle. I respect it. I relate to it. Anyways, thanks for hanging with us today. Appreciate you. Tell you what, if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I'm amped up, I want to get better at guitar, I have a guitar course, Corey Wong Guitar Course. I teach you the fundamentals of practicing, how to practice, how to get better, not just rhythm guitar, lead guitar as well. A lot of exercises, fretboard knowledge, understanding how to practice for technical mastery and how to focus your mindset on musicianship and just understanding the guitar a lot better. Check it out. If you want to get better at guitar, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, no matter what level you're at right now, if you go through my entire course, I guarantee you, you will be a better player. Promise. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next time. Peace.